Is it okay to ask questions about God, the Bible, and Christianity? In fact, wouldn't it be better to approach these things with open minds rather than insisting on absolute truths? Wouldn't a church come across as more charitable if it encouraged discovery over dogma? You're listening to episode 19 of Footnotable. Orrin and I believe that thorough questioning of what we believe as Christians is essential to a grounded faith, and that makes it footnotable. Part 5 of the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity begins now. All right, Orrin, I've got a bit of, I guess you could call it trivia. It's some okay. questions. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're just going to tell me if you believe this is true or not. True or false? True. It's like it's true or false. True or false. Yeah. So the first question, yeah, these are all simple, by the way. Okay. So this is not going to be anything. I'll be the judge up. of that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> reject reject my reality uh, and substitute your own. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's fine. All right. Okay. So first question. Yeah. Was George Washington the first president of the United States of America? Yes. Okay. Very good. As far as I know. As far as, <laughs> as, far as you know. Come on. Play along. Yes. Be yes, nice. Yes. Be nice. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Second question. This is this is this is why you barrel by a school. <laughs> second question. Did J.R.R. Tolkien write the Lord of the Rings trilogies? Yes. Okay. Very good. All right. Third question. Is Seinfeld the greatest sitcom ever? I'm offended you even have to ask that question. But yes, the answer is yes. Hands down, nothing even comes close. Okay. So I just asked questions. Now, some would say that maybe the last one was more of an what they would call opinion. <laughs> I would have to disagree as well. But these are all statements of verifiable truth. Fact. These are Seinfeld's facts. the best TV show right? ever, yes. You can, you can go back in history mm-hmm. and we can ascertain that, indeed, George Washington was the first president of the United States. Mm-hmm. We can go in more recent history and know for a fact that Tolkien did write these Lord of the Ring books. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to any sensible person who watched <laughs> sitcoms in the 90s, you would know Seinfeld is the yes. greatest sitcom Any mature, enlightened ever. individual will know, yes. Right. Yes. And facts and truth are the topic of the discussion today mm-hmm. because we're getting into this uh, midway point mm-hmm. with our discussion on the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And it is one of these commandments out of all of them that I think people really sort of give a hearty, absolutely right on. You've hit the nail on the head with this one. Mm -hmm. It's inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. Mm -hmm. Now, I asked some questions. You supplied an answers. Mm Those answers were based in truth and facts mm-hmm. and things that were verifiable. Yes. That was pretty normal. Absolutely. I mean, we would not debate the uh, nature of these questions. Mm-hmm. We really would not debate the accuracy of the responses you gave because we really feel that we can say with certain that mm-hmm. these things were in fact so. Yeah. But what we're going to see with Gully as he's putting forth this question about or this commandment about questions is that we should kind of maybe perhaps throw certainty out the window because certainty is more of a dogmatic uh, thing Mm -hmm. when we want to talk about truth and absolutes and certainty. We're really just sort of pushing truth down people's throats when what we really need to let people do, Oren, is just, man, come with an open mind. Come with the attitude of an, a learner, someone who wants to discover. And if that is going to be the case, then can we really hold to absolute truths? Can mm-hmm. we really speak with any certainty about anything the Bible claims to teach or that we claim yeah. the Bible claims to teach? Right. So the, one of the hallmarks of uh, of a, a, a progressive approach to the Christian faith 
is is to lean more toward questions than to answers. And what Gully does in his book, and what Kruger answers in his book, is um, is, is Gully paints a picture of of a Christian church that is free to ask questions and not to rely so much on the answers because having definite certain answers makes a person um, dogmatic and eventually close-minded to other possible truths. Yeah, because we're all on the journey, right? Right, right. We just need to be throwing these things out there. We're all searching and no one can really nail anything down. Exactly. It's, It's more about the journey than it is anything else. Exactly. So... To, to the point at which Gully gives the example that when he when he came he went to, as a guest speaker to a church, um, he questioned the virgin birth. He doesn't believe in the virgin birth. He says it's not necessary for Christianity. I don't think any less of Jesus if he wasn't born of a virgin, which if we go back to chapter one, he doesn't believe Jesus is God anyway. But he really sort of got the church stirred up because they obviously believed that Jesus was was conceived and born of a virgin, and and Gully said this this goes the, the 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 virgin birth goes against science and common sense, and it's just not necessary for a follower of Christ to actually believe that doctrine in order to be a Christian. You don't have to be you don't have to believe in the virgin birth to be a Christian. And what he ignores are the foundations of what that actually means for the Christian faith, right? And the fact that it is scripturally taught. Therefore, we have to believe something about it. And, and so Gully's position is the journey to, um, to know God and to find God is one of questions, not so much of answers. But my response to that would always be, okay, why do we ask questions to begin with? What, what is it inside of a human being, a child, a, a four-year-old? No, less, less than that. Why? Three-year-old. Why, 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 why? Ask those right? questions. Like, why do we ask questions? Why are we so inclined as human beings to ask questions? Well, it's because God put inside of us a desire for answers. We want some kind of certainty in our lives. So we ask questions. I don't disagree with Gully's um, idea that we need to ask questions. I certainly support that 100%. But to just ask a question and leave it there is to look at your three-year-old who asks, Dad, is, is the moon made of cheese? And you shrug your shoulders and go, I don't know. What do I you think, know. son? Maybe. You know? Or do you tell them the truth, right? If, if, a, if a college student says, I don't believe the Holocaust ever happened, what, is a, what does a teacher tell them? What is he, well, he or she responsible to tell them? The truth, the Holocaust actually happened, and here's the evidence for it. And so we ask questions to get answers because answers help us find certainty, peace, and security. And again, I, I don't want to mischaracterize Gully as saying that he doesn't want any answers. But the notion that questions are always just having questions and leaving them there and not providing any kind of biblical answers, I think is what leads many people to find their own answers mm-hmm. in, un, in unhealthy places. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. I'm not interested in just, in just forcing a dogma into someone's life forcing them to believe something that they're not sure of. We want you to be sure of the biblical truths. So ask the right kinds of questions, get the right kinds of answers, mm-hmm. right? But to ask a question and just leave it hanging there and let someone figure it out on their own, I think is, is not only irresponsible, but it's, 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 it's dangerous. Yeah, they would never fly in school. Now, right. unfortunately, I think we do have a, a culture now in, in higher academia where right. that is at times... Encouraged and expected mm-hmm. because the job of the professor no longer, in some cases, is to profess. Right. They're more of a guide mm-hmm. on this journey of education and understanding. A facilitator. They're a facilitator. Of understanding. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's historically not how education exactly. works. Yeah. I mean, if I send my kids to school and they're supposed to learn that 5 plus 5 equals 10, mm-hmm. Well, that's not up for debate. Right. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. It's a verifiable fact. Math is math. Yes. It doesn't change. And so if, if they came home and was like, Dad, the teacher was like, 5 plus 5 is 12 mm-hmm. because they just wanted to be 12. You know, when my girls were in school in, in West Africa, um, their English teacher, uh, who was not a native English speaker, corrected one of my daughters 
on the pronunciation of the middle day of the week being Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, she erroneously pronounced it Wednesday. Wednesday. Because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> right. Well, here's a grown woman arguing with a first grader over the pronunciation of the day Wednesday. My mm -hmm. daughter is a native English speaker. This teacher was not, but because she had a degree and a position, mm -hmm. she was not going to be bested sure. by a first grader yeah, yeah. who knew better. And it just sort of <laughs> bothered my daughter that she could be corrected this way when she knows the pronunciation of the word is Wednesday. Exactly. Well, we had to sit down and explain, you know, why there was a misunderstanding and that you, you need to respect your teacher. Mm -hmm. But it's that kind of thing that sometimes, unfortunately, does happen. People ask the question and the answer is just, ah, whatever you want. But mm -hmm. there is actually an answer. Right. And what Gully, unfortunately, does is he he, he creates this caricature yes, of exactly. the church yep. where Christ, well, questions aren't welcome at all. Right. Don't ask anything. Mm -hmm. The Bible says it. Mm -hmm. That's it. You don't believe, believe it. it. Tough. Tough. Yeah. Tough for you. Yeah. Well, you know what? There are some traditions, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and there are either churches within various denominations mm -hmm. that have taken that type of unfortunate approach mm -hmm. to engaging Scripture, where you don't question anything. Right. Bible is taught. It, it the truth, so to speak, or the knowledge at least, mm -hmm. is held within a group of professional clergy. Yes. It is handed down. You are to consume that, believe it, and never question mm -hmm. it ever. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are some traditions that if you do question it, the response is you'll go insane, mm -hmm. literally insane, mm -hmm. because you're meddling with things that are beyond your concept to understand. Mm -hmm. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. The Bible never presents itself as a as a book of God's teachings that can't be questioned. Right. It always leaves itself to be revisited time and time and time mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And once you even get into the, the New Testament, we see the writings of the apostles mm -hmm. really instructing the church. Yeah. And you've, you've got to test what's being said mm -hmm. because not all of it is true. Not all of it is coming from right. God. And so you need to put it to the test. Mm -hmm. So we do need questions. And I yeah. think we've unfortunately grown up with some generations in the church that have shied away from asking questions mm -hmm. because perhaps they had an experience where they raised their hand in Sunday school and maybe unfortunately they were kind of talked down to mm -hmm. uh, by the teacher. You know, how, how dare you question How could you ask this? that question? How could you ask that question, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. So we, we do want to be encouraging of asking questions mm -hmm. because one of the reasons why we're seeing some of the so-called Christian leaders, Christian celebrities walking away from the faith is they never asked questions growing up. Right. And now that they're asking questions, they don't want to look to the Bible for answers. Exactly. Because somewhere along the way, They've made up their mind that the Bible is not a source for mm -hmm. their answers. Exactly. Yep. Their experience is a source for their answers. So rather than having the questions answered as they were growing up in their faith tradition, mm -hmm. they came at it as an adult with no basis mm -hmm. for knowledge, no okay. basis for truth, and then decided, unfortunately, that Christianity can't be true. Yeah, they, so, they, they walk away from it. Yeah. Because they had their their Bible glasses on when they were younger, right? They took them off one day, looked at the world differently, and never put their Bible glasses back on, so to speak, right? And so they see they start seeing the world a different way, and they never go back to the scriptures to understand. Because them. the assumption is that the church already gave me everything yeah, yeah, I need exactly. to know about yes. the Bible. Yes. Therefore, why go ask? That source is exhausted. It's exhausted. Yes. And so I need yep. to find answers elsewhere. Right. And so so asking questions is a primary part of the discipleship journey. Exactly. If you're a believer and if you're not asking questions, then you're probably not engaging with God's word. Absolutely. God's spirit, God's people, mm -hmm. the way that you need to in order for you to grow. You're yeah. always just staying right there on the surface, mm -hmm. uh, kind of at the level of Bible trivia. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so so 
these uh, clergy, these uh, pastors, clergy, priests, authority figures in some of these churches are insecure about their position, and so they don't allow questions. What's good about God is he's not insecure about what he said. God isn't, God, God isn't insecure about who he is. God isn't insecure about what he expects if of he his was, people. If he was, he wouldn't have had so much that's in the Bible exactly. actually written. Right, yeah. He would have hid all the bad stuff and only put the good yeah. stuff in there. Like a few weeks ago, we covered Psalm 109. Psalm 109 is, is really hard to preach and to, and to read and go, how does this work in my life? If God only wanted us to know good things and not be exposed to what life is really about, he would have left out a lot of the Bible. Yet mm. the Bible exists in such a way to show us that humanity at heart has, has wickedness, is depraved, and needs God's help, God's salvation. And so God isn't insecure about what he said. So we should be free to ask him any questions we want. The psalmist asked the question, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the son hanging on the cross, asked the question, why have you forsaken me? That's a deep theological question. And there's all kinds of dogma attached to that question. We have to be willing to search it out and ask, why did Jesus cry out that that prayer, that question on the cross? Right. And, and so questions are good. What we have to um, ask ourselves is, where am I going to find the answers? And so if you were to tell someone, Dave, that you are a Bible-believing Christian, if you're speaking to someone who is not a Christian or maybe a progressive Christian, what would they assume about you? If you say, I believe the Bible is fully true, 100% inerrant, infallible, what would their assumption be about you? Oh, their assumption would probably be that I'm anti-intellectual. Yep. Um, that I, I ascribe to a sort of pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I am very dogmatic uh, to the point of being intolerant and hateful yep. towards a variety of people. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's not like you exactly. Anyone that's right. like, sure. not like sure. me exa- sure. exactly. You know, that, that mm-hmm. I, I'm basically getting my marching orders mm-hmm. from from an antiquated, man-made, flawed mm-hmm. book written by a bunch of chauvinistic racists, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, thousands of years yeah. ago. Those are all what we call stereotypes that yeah. are actually believed about people who believe, the, who believe all of the Bible sure. and not just parts of it. There are challenges to understanding Scripture. There, there are real issues that we, when, when you read a passage or a verse or even a word, you go, what does this mean? What, is, what does God want me to know mm. from this? This is an important question for believers to ask. To assume that Christ, Christians who are, as Gully would say, more dogmatic in their belief system are closed off to, to asking questions mm. or, or, or propaganda dispensers or people that are only narrowly fixed on one particular way of living right. and can't think outside the box a little bit and entertain the possibilities of other things, I don't think it's fair. It's intellectually dishonest. I don't have it really to, is. I don't have to get out of my lane to look around and see what's around me. I can ask right. questions outside the box, but do I do I go live outside the box, so, so to speak? Yeah, do, do you need to experience heroin use right. to know exactly. that's bad. Yes. That's going to yes. mess up your life big mm-hmm. time. No, you don't. Yeah. Gully, Gully proposes that the words I don't know sometimes are better than just stating a, a, yeah. a, a truth. Well, I think there's some cases when we could say I don't know and it's a it's the proper answer because mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I, I'm being honest. Yeah. But I'm going to go try to find an answer for it. I'm not going to shrug and go, well, I guess we just can never know that. Yeah. Let me go see if I can find an answer in the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going to find the answer, particularly to spiritual questions. Right. If you ask me, how do I know that George Washington was the first president of the United States? I'm not going to go to the Bible to find that answer. I'll go to history book, not the Bible. But if you ask me something about. But you went somewhere that was an authoritative source. Exactly. I went to an authoritative source. A historian in multiple different places over generations of people can confirm this is true. And so I'm going to go to the Bible for questions and matters of faith, of, of spirituality, of discipline, things like that. And so where our, what our source is will determine very often um, the, the depth and meaning of the, of the answers we finally get, if we get them at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we ask God questions and we never get an answer, or at least not the one that we want. 
Sometimes those questions hang for a long time in our lives. And so to say that asking questions is better than answers, I think is, is disingenuous because we ask questions to get answers, but it's, it's, it's proper for us to ask the right questions and then look in the right place to find the answers that we need. Yeah, questions have to be put out there. And the assumption that only Christians need to ask questions of the Bible, of Christianity, of what they believe, uh, is not exactly what we're getting at. Mm -hmm. We really want all people to be able to ask questions Mm -hmm. about God, about the Bible, about Christianity, about the nature and character of Jesus, his work. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to just limit our dialogue about seeking truth within Scripture to those who already have put their faith and trust in Christ. We want people who really struggle with what the Bible Mm -hmm. believes or what they think the Bible believes Mm -hmm. to come ask questions, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. Uh, People who ask questions, sometimes they think they have Christians over a barrel. Right. (laughs) Right. The question sounds slick. Right. The question sounds like, man, You've you've just you've put, got me. You've got me. You've, you've got painted me. me into a corner. Mm-hmm. I see no way out. And other times they come across as just very honest, and mm-hmm. we can navigate them better. Mm-hmm. And so we don't need to shy away from questions just because we think somebody might zing us mm-hmm. or give us something that is going to produce in us an honest "I don't know" mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. But let me go find. Yeah, we want to have an answer. Mm-hmm. We need to ask questions because why? Everybody's asking questions. Mm-hmm. Whatever you believe, you ask questions mm-hmm. of existence, why things are the way they are, mm-hmm. how things can be made better. You're asking questions. So let me just kind of give some examples of yeah. questions that skeptics have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. um, we, we don't want anybody to think that we're just talking about ask questions so that you can know, you know, what are all the, the names of the 12 sons of Jacob? Right. We're not wanting you to just be better at Bible trivia, Bible trivia sure. or the one category in Jeopardy, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, you know, Old Testament. Obscure Bible, Bible references. Yeah, right. sure, sure. We're, we're talking about the deep questions here mm-hmm. that deserve answers yes. and need to be asked. So I've got an article here from the author's just, her name is Laura. She doesn't give a last name. This is a community-sourced website called Relatively Interesting. Mm -hmm. And people get to post things on here that they find interesting. Mm -hmm. And so Laura has an article on here, Questions for Theist, God, and Religion. These are things that she feels that any religion needs to be able to kind of answer. And she's a skeptic. Okay. Okay. And so these are very honest questions. Uh, A lot of these lean more into questions that would be more specifically to the Judeo-Christian tradition, okay, sure. uh, would not necessarily apply to other religions, uh, but the way she presents it, these are things that religion needs to be able okay. to answer. Okay. Uh, so, for instance, if there is one God and one religion, what happens to the rest of the people who do not belong to that religion? Wow. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's a, a legitimate, that's a real a legitimate question. Yes. question. Yes. If God is all-powerful, why does he not just destroy Satan once and for all. Mm-hmm. Why is Satan allowed to tempt humans? Mm. Why would God even allow, uh, why would God even allow the creation of hell? Yeah. Okay. Again, valid questions, questions that people don't need to be, hey, look, sit down, shut up. Mm-hmm. We don't ask that kind of question sure, in church. Sure. People are asking these outside the church mm-hmm. and they need answers. Do only humans go to heaven? Ah. What happens to young humans uh, who die and go to heaven? What happens to a baby? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, obviously, the only humans go to, to heaven is getting into a possibility of animals, mm-hmm. other creatures. Pets. Pets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, we don't need to look at that. It's going, that's oh, just dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a valid, very valid question. Mm-hmm. People want to know these sure. things. Why does a perfect God who is all powerful and has all knowledge require us to praise him by going to the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Should it not be sufficient for people to thank and praise the God in their own way? Mm. Why does he require praise at all? Mm. These are these are these are good questions. Good so questions, yeah. They're just examples of the kind of things that when people are confronted with Christian beliefs 
or other issues regarding religion and a worldview that has a spiritual component to it. Mm-hmm. These are things that they come back and ask mm-hmm. because it's not always abundantly clear when you hear sort of the tenets of a right. religion mm-hmm. or the main points of a worldview. There's a lot of life and a lot of wondering, mm-hmm. a lot of gaps to fill in. And so people begin asking profound and deep questions. Mm-hmm. That's good. It is. Absolutely. That's the beginning yep. of yep. a lot of healthy discussion and conversations with people. And healthy is a good word because I think that would describe um, a, a, a healthy church has people that are not afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. What you don't want to create in a church is an environment, like we talked about earlier, where people are just afraid to even ask. So they don't search for the answers to those questions. You may expect to get a certain kind of answer from your pastor or leader, particularly if they're of, of, a, of a more orthodox conviction. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their answer from the Bible. But they should not be offended that you're asking that question. And I, th- I think in some cases, like if, you, if, like if a four-year-old were to ask a question, you know, why are, are, do, will our pet go to heaven when, whenever it dies? Well, there's a certain way you answer that question for a four-year-old. Right. But the answer is the same for a 40-year-old. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> You're not going. You right. might you probably won't see, you know, Fido the dog that you raised all those years in heaven. I you know, and 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 so the answer may be essentially the same, but it's coming from two different different sort of worldviews in the sense of a 4-year-old and a 40-year-old are they're just different people, you know? And and so churches should entertain hard questions. We should yeah. we we should want hard questions because all the easy ones have been answered. Yeah. Right, for me to stand up in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and say God is worthy of praise, well, that's a true statement, hundred percent true. But why is it true, right? And why should anyone care that it's true? Why should they believe that it's true? And how in the world do I even know, as a pastor of 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 a church or the preacher of the word, how do I know that God is worthy of praise? We talked about that this past Sunday. How do we know that God is good? How do we know that what good is at all? Those are those are hard. But they're good questions. Yeah, and it gets into something that you have to, uh, at some point, establish in this whole concept of asking questions. Mm -hmm. There must be a basis for knowledge. Yes. If there is no basis for knowledge that can be trusted, Mm -hmm. well, then you the whole exercise of asking questions is futile. Yep. Because the answers can't be trusted Mm -hmm. because there is no basis for knowledge. And this is where Christians have to make it abundantly clear that we have a basis for knowledge Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Mm -hmm. We are going to Scripture for our answers. We are not looking at our experiences. We are not looking at our feelings. Mm -hmm. We are not looking at popular opinion. All those things can and are corrupted. Yes. We look at Scripture and we can know and trust mm-hmm. what Scripture says. Again, that's a different conversation as to why we can trust that. Um, we can maybe get into that in detail mm-hmm. in a later episode. But we do claim a basis of knowledge mm-hmm. for the answers that we give. Yes, This is where I think Gully's argument in one of many areas begins to really break down yeah. because if you're just saying, well, I don't know, mm-hmm. well, I think it's this, Let's all entertain things. Well, then where are you getting your basis? What's your basis of knowledge? Mm -hmm. If you get three people in the room and they're all trying to ask some of these big questions about God and they all three come up with different answers, Mm -hmm. I think it's immoral for you to say, well, maybe you're all right. Mm -hmm. How can you you land there? Because you're throwing out the window any semblance of a basis of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're going to do it with that, well, then who's to say we can't question the laws of our country? Mm-hmm. Who's to say I can't speed? Yeah. What, what is speeding? Yeah, what you, is speeding anyway? What's, what's speeding anyway? Sure. And so, sure. you know, I reinterpret things and I have my own opinion mm-hmm. and I drive like a, a maniac and uh, someone unfortunately loses their life in it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I suddenly have a right to reinterpret that law however I want to, sure. people would say you're nuts. Mm-hmm. The speeding is speeding. It's even posted. There's, a, there's numbers on that yeah. sign yeah. that indicate that they're fine speeding. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a basis of knowledge. 
that thing that says 65 underneath speed limit, that is a basis of knowledge. It is defining what speeding is. You don't get to reinterpret that because you want to drive however you want to drive or you're uncomfortable with that 65 Mm -hmm. because you want it to be 70 or you want it to be 50. Right, exactly. Yeah, so so we we understand that that this it sounds silly to think that way. Like of, about a speed limit for instance. Because it's been around for so long, it right. is it's what it is. It gets changed every once in a while. If the lawmakers decide to change the speed mm-hmm. limit on an interstate or a highway, but we know that once the sign is up, that's what's expected of you. It's right. it's a truth. The speed limit's a truth. Right? It's true for everyone. No one gets an exception unless you're maybe your police officer with your lights on. You know, or maybe you don't get a ticket when you get stopped, but you're going to get stopped, you know, mm-hmm. because it's true for all people. When it comes to the Christian religion, people begin to balk at the idea that it's true for all people, that that I can enter into the Christian religion and I don't have to believe everything the Bible says. I can bring along some things from some other faiths, some other traditions, some other experiences and incorporate that into my walk with Jesus. So now I have a new kind of truth. And I can ask questions of the Christian faith. And if I don't like the answers, well, that's okay. Because I have answers I found in other faiths. That's really the key, isn't it? Right? Yeah, sure. It's finding the answers that, that I you like. want. The, the answers that you yeah. want. And we, and look, you and I both know our entire lives, we don't like asking questions when we already know the answer we're going to get is not one we're going to like. Like right. you're afraid to ask because you know what they're going to tell you, right. especially, especially when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And you ask your mom and dad a question. You know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. You don't want to ask it because it's clear, and and so we only. So you go to somebody else. Somebody else and you, try to find you, the yeah, answer you want. Yeah, exactly. You want. Exactly. So let me let me read a quote for you from Gully's book. He says uh, he was talking with a woman, and and she was um, was telling him as a minister he should not cast doubt on the church's teaching. So he had been he had been teaching something that that the, the local church he was teaching in didn't agree with, and he said the purpose of a spiritual teacher. So he's telling us a truth. What the spiritual teacher is to do, that's you, me, that's whoever teaches the Bible or spiritual Mm -hmm. truths of any sort, this is their job. It isn't to be a propagandist. It's my responsibility to discern the truth. So he indicates there is a truth to discern. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then he says, sometimes I agree with the church's historic conclusions. Sometimes I don't. When I do agree, I will say so. When I don't, I will say so. And I will say why. My goal will always be the discernment of truth. And then what's really interesting, he goes on to say how kindly he spoke to her. He was non-combative. He was clear um, in his manner and his approach. And he really props himself up here. Um, but then he goes on to say, I sensed her anxiety was diminishing. And she was finding our conversation intriguing. So this woman who was really offended by what he said was now put at ease by his answer. Mm-hmm. So I agree with him. A spiritual teacher is not to be a propagandist. We are to be discerners of truth. But to say that there is a truth to discern means that it's true for all of us. It has to be for it to be true, right? It can't be just what you find and I find something differently. They're equal. They're not. They can't be. So when someone asks a question regarding the Bible specifically, or God or Jesus or the church or the Holy Spirit or what a Christian is, there is a a definite answer in the Bible for those questions. Mm -hmm. Those truths are true always. They're not true conditionally about how I feel or what I'm going through in my life right now. They're always true. Now, for for some of our listeners, possibly, that are of older generations, this isn't a hard concept for you because you lived in a world that understood things to be true and things that were not true. And you, you lived your life sort of where that was generally accepted in society. For those of you that are maybe younger, the world's different now. You can accept a number of different truths. So what's become very in vogue, particularly in Christian circles, is to ask a lot of questions and just leave them hanging there with no real answers. But there is a basis, as you said, for knowledge. Why would we want to put ourselves through the misery of asking and asking and asking and asking and never coming to any kind of truthful answer? Just sort of piling up all these questions of uncertainty, of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, and never really landing on something that can give us some comfort. Yeah. Right? Well, and, I think that's that's part of it is that the truth makes us uncomfortable. Yes. We're seeking comfort. And because we don't bother to wade through the uncomfortable part of God's truth, mm-hmm. we never get to the comfort side of it. Mm-hmm. Like once Jesus deals with our sin and shows us who we really are, the Bible does that for us. It gives us that that absolute 
and objective truth mm-hmm. about who we are as people. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it just kind of hurts and brings us feelings of guilt and shame. And mm-hmm. But once you allow then Jesus to come and be Lord and Savior and to redeem you, mm-hmm. you realize that all of the truths of God really do end in your peace and yes. comfort and, yes. and internal joy. But you had to go through the uncomfortable parts mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. in order to get to those things. And I think that's where people stop mm-hmm. is they go, this God's truth makes me uncomfortable. I'm not looking for uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. I will go find truth that is immediately that comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. With me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So because we have a basis of knowledge, because we are so inclined and created by God to ask questions, it's important that we do that so that we can have certainty. So um, why is it then that Gully and others who teach like him seem to lean toward this idea that uncertainty is better than certainty? Like why would we want to be uncertain about something? If you're crossing a bridge... Do you want to be certain that bridge is going to hold your right. vehicle when you're I'm crossing? I'm uncertain if this gasoline and this lit match will, okay. have, will exactly. have a combustible. Any kind of effect. Yeah, sure. Effect. Yeah, if you, if you think the chair is not certainly going to hold you up, you're not going to sit in it. If you're unsure that rickety bridge is not going to hold you when you walk across it, you're not going to walk across it. We love certainty in our lives. When you set your alarm clock at night, you're certain, you should be certain, that it's going to wake you up in mm-hmm. the morning. If you don't think it's going to work, then you're not going to use it, right? People, as much as we may try to deny that we want certainty, that we like the questions and sort of the sort of the, the ethereal, nebulous ideas of the world kind of floating around, we're figuring out as we go, people want something certain that they can hold on to. Yeah, in all things. Yes, exactly. And so the Bible gives us those, those certainties. Not all of them. We don't have them all at the same time, but we can have some certainties in our life that help us live like Jesus. And we don't just don't claim that the Bible puts out blanket statements exactly. of certainty they put out true statements that are certain but they make sense yes they are consistent mm-hmm. they are congruent and they make sense of the world that we see Absolutely. that's why we can trust them mm-hmm. because anybody can make statements that they claim to be truth mm-hmm. and make them with a level of certainty mm-hmm. just have a lot of confidence just put them out there yeah. you know but do they make the sense of the world mm-hmm. yeah so so when we come to the scriptures, it's important for us to ask questions. And what that does, and what I've learned in, in my time as, as a pastor, as a, as a, as a leader in, in churches, is asking questions of the Bible leads me to the answers in other parts of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And, and so the Bible, as we often say it here at First Baptist, and said other places, is that the Bible interprets the Bible. And so if you are a Christian and, and you have questions, go to the scriptures and ask those questions and look for the answers there. And what you'll find is they're going to lead you to other answers, to other questions you may have asked in the past. It's going to lead you on a path of understanding. Will you have all the knowledge? No. But what you'll have is a, the kind of knowledge you need to have some comfort in your life, some certainty in your life. You or I, Dave, will not be the kind of guys who sort of become these 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 you know pulpit pounding dogmatists that say you have to believe my way or you can get out of here we're never going to do that but we are going to lay down what is true according to the scriptures so that you can take hold of it so it's like you're on a rescue boat and there's people drowning in the ocean and you're just casting as many life rafts out of out of the side of the boat as you can right you're trying to save as many people as possible you're just casting life raft life raft life raft Instead of saying, do you believe you want this life raft? you got to tell me you want this life raft, and maybe I'll give it to you. No, we just save as many people as we can by casting the truth out as, to, as far as we can to as many as we can. And if people are asking, if they're in the water screaming at you going, will you save me? Will you help me? Well, of course. Let me give you how you can be saved, how yeah. you can be helped. Ultimately, from a spiritual standpoint, it's trusting in Jesus. So entertain the questions. Find the answers in the right place. And to give an example from Scripture, Jesus asked questions. In fact, one of the most important questions that he asked was, was in Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. And he asked them, who did the crowd say that I am? Now, that's a bit of an existential question, right? That's right. kind of a big question. Like, who am I to the people? The people that you associate with, that you talk with, that you fish with, that you, you know, you know. What's you, the popular opinion? What's the popular opinion of, of me? The, yeah. of, of me? And they'll say, well, if people think you're John the Baptist or maybe Elijah or maybe one of the other prophets. Jesus is like, okay, 
who do you say that I am? So he uses this sort of broad, sort of culturally or, or societal sort of general answer. And then he gets very specific. He looks at his guys and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes a statement. You are the Christ. Are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And then Jesus goes on to say, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was the spirit of God who gave you that answer, essentially. Mm-hmm. And on that statement that you are the Christ, son of the living God, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What Jesus does there is he asks a very big, deep question. Simon gives the right answer, and then Jesus builds an entire doctrine on that answer. I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus asked a hard question, an answer was given, and it created a dogma, a a doctrinal statement. Jesus is the Christ who is the Son of God. And the church is built on that reality. The church's existence is built on that statement, that Jesus is the Lord of the church. And I'm not ashamed of that. And and if anyone wants to ask me, what's the basis for the church? That's the answer. Because Jesus established the church in his life, death, and resurrection. And to ask those types of questions for children, for adults of all ages, of all persuasions, of all backgrounds, it's really important. We can't run away from those. We can't be scared of those answers or giving those answers. Nor can we be afraid of saying, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. Because I want to know the answer to that as well. And, and, And so... To, to label Orthodox Christians as narrow-minded, as, as dogmatic, sort of, um, um, sort of forcing people to believe certain things without ever entertaining questions, I think is a false uh, caricature, as you said. Um, it's a stereotype. In the same way that we would say that progressive Christians are all a bunch of liberal heretics. Well, some of them are progressing, and they're headed in that liberal heretic mm-hmm. t- territory. Maybe they're not there yet, because they're trying to find something that's that's, that's sort of opposite of what they grew up in. And maybe that what they grew up in was really dogmatic and difficult and hard on them. Yeah, some people aren't, re- aren't rebelling against God and his word. Right. They're rebelling against a bad, a bad culture. experience. Yes, yeah. a bad culture. Exactly. And so we, as those who can maybe stand between those two extremes, can say, whoa, whoa, let's come back. Let's love each other. Let's care about one another. Let's ask good, hard questions. But let's give the answers from the mm-hmm. scriptures. I think that's where we have to go back to. And, and to... To, to go back to, to Gully's first chapter in his book, where he he doesn't believe that believing he doesn't believe that Jesus is is the Son of God is not is not a deity, and that it's okay with him that he isn't. We would disagree because so much of of the scriptures is built on that idea that Jesus, particularly the the New Testament, that Jesus is God, God in person. So when we start with with those kinds of truths, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of questions that come with that. But as long as we go back to that truth and hold on to that sort of center of that of that doctrine, we'll always have somewhere solid to stand. But when we start getting out into the in, into into the wilderness, asking um, or, or leaving behind those doctrines and then asking questions without any kind of basis, well, then we end up in a place where where there's there's it's, it's so hard to recover from. I guess if, if that makes sense. And 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 so I'm 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 always distraught in some ways when we approach or when some people approach. The Bible and Christianity as this sort of um, vague spiritual journey with no real answers. There are real answers to real questions, but we have to find them in the scriptures and not in some culturally interpreted version of the Bible. Yeah, because there's a big difference between good theological reasoning and bad theological reasoning. And both Orthodox Christians and progressive Christians are guilty of of both. Okay, so there are times when. The, the good questions are asked and bad answers are given. Yes. And we really have to be able to discern. Mm-hmm. And so just because you asked the question mm-hmm. and got an answer doesn't mean you're done. Right. You need to go verify the answer mm-hmm. yourself with Scripture because you could have been told something that steered you in the wrong way, mm-hmm. Un- intentionally or unintentionally. Yep. And so we do have a responsibility as as followers of Jesus to ask the questions, yes. but then to verify the answers. I don't care how much you love your pastor. I don't care how much you love your Sunday school teacher. We're all flawed people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just miss the mark in properly interpreting and understanding the Bible. Yeah. We need to go back always. Mm-hmm. And revisit scripture and say, is what was told to me true? Does it match with the whole counsel of God? Mm -hmm. 
or has it been something that's twisted a little bit or mm-hmm. cherry picked mm-hmm. out to justify a particular position? Yep. Always, always, always do the follow-up homework yes, after exactly. you ask the question. Exactly. And you know, if you do that work, you'll be able to interpret whether the one teaching you has an agenda in their teaching. Mm-hmm. If there's an agenda, you'll sense, you'll see it because they'll take certain verses of scripture and begin to start turning them, twisting them, sort of trying to leverage that verse for something else, as opposed to simply opening up that verse and letting you yeah. see for what it is. And so you may not pick up pick up on it always, but you'll begin to see a pattern in mm-hmm. teaching and preaching where the one doing the speaking is is using the Bible to leverage something else. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have those, those teachers of the Bible, and I hope I'm, all, I'm all, always one of those, that just exposes the word and shows it and just gives it to people and lets God do the work in, the, in, in people's hearts. And when you do that, hopefully you'll create a culture where people are free to ask questions, but also know that the pastor is going to go to the Bible for the answer. I might use cultural references or historical references to help understand something, mm-hmm. but ultimately... My source of truth is the word of God. And everything comes from that, right? And so when someone says, well, the Bible doesn't speak on this issue or on that issue. Well, maybe it doesn't mention it specifically, but there are principles taught in Scripture that addresses every issue in the Bible. So, for instance, to go back to our speeding illustration, Mm -hmm. the word of God doesn't say anything about speeding. Nowhere. Driving cars, drinking and driving, texting and driving. It has no references to that whatsoever, right? The best they had was a chariot. You know, and that was it. Mm. Now, whether they texted and drive and, and drove chariots, I, I don't know. But the Bible doesn't have anything to say about how fast we can drive on the highway. But it does say something about what laws you follow and how you follow them and obeying your authorities and your responsibility to, to your neighbor. So there are principles in the scriptures that are true that help me live my life. You can ask, what does the Bible have to do with speeding? Well, here, here's some answers. Mm. If you don't like those answers, I'm sorry, but... That's what the Bible teaches us because it's what's best for our neighbors, for our friends, for ourselves. Yeah. And it's what God's commanded. And, and, and so it, it, just, it just bugs me how easily the Bible can be left behind to make Christianity more palatable, more acceptable, less mean and judgmental. Well, I don't want to be judge, mean and, 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 and judgmental. I don't. But it's not mean and judgmental to stand on truth. And to stand on it solidly and say, we're not going to budge from this. We'll entertain your questions. We'll listen to you. We'll have deep conversations about these things. But I'm not going to leave this basis of belief on the scriptures. I have to or everything else starts coming unraveled. Yeah, and that's key Yeah, to know that things come unraveled when mm-hmm. we reject that. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to embrace a Christianity not based on truth? Yeah. Because in the end, it's just not going to function well. No. I mean, somebody's going to get somebody's going to get burned. Exactly. Yeah. You know, relationships are going to suffer. Society is going to suffer. We need something that is built on truth. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was said that Christianity is a terrible hobby. <laughs> it's not a hobby. Yeah. It's not something you just do in your yeah. free time. You'll be you'll be miserable. It's a it's a commitment in every area every of aspect. your life, and it includes your questions. So ask hard questions. But look for answers in the right places. All right. So if you're a member of First Baptist, mm-hmm. or even if you're not a member of First Baptist, you're, you've somehow stumbled across, across this accidentally, and you're listening and still listening, uh, and you have questions. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you have questions about the Bible, about God, about any just any aspect, mm-hmm. and you wanted to pose those questions. Yeah. Where where could somebody go to put those before before us? You can send us an email. We can go to our website, get our email. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Look up Dave Rhymes or Oren Connor or one of our church members if they're around. Throw those questions out there. You can come visit us at First Baptist. You can call us on the phone if you want to ask questions. A woman called me two weeks ago asking me if she was going to hell because she did some bad things in her life. We had a, an hour-long conversation about the gospel. I felt really good about our conversation at the end. Um, whatever ways that you, you can find us, Send us those questions, and we'll try to answer them as best we can. And you know what? I, I know my, I know for myself, I know for Dave as well, if we don't know, we'll tell you we don't know. But we're also going to promise you to go look for an answer. There you go. Yep. So the door has been kicked wide open. Wide open. If you have questions, they're welcome. Any kind of questions. Any Yeah, yeah any kind of questions. Yeah. We're, we're not going to, to blush 
or shy away mm-hmm. from the questions. Yep. We'll take them seriously. And I, I will say, on, in, in, during the summers, the last few years, I've done a, a Wednesday night series with the church called Ask Pastor Orrin. I let people submit questions. And some of them are really hard questions. And I study up on them and I address them week to week. And it's been really good for our mm-hmm. people to to ask some questions that they don't normally get to ask sometimes. Right. So, All right. Next week. Yes. What are we diving into? All we're right. getting on the back end yeah, of so these, we're, these commandments. We're in the second half of the book. Um, Gully's made some pretty foundational statements in the first half about what he believes about the Bible, about Christianity, and if the church was really Christian. So next week, the chapter in Gully's book is entitled, Encouraging Personal Exploration Would Be More Important Than Communal Uniformity. So this sort of piggybacks a little bit of what he covered in chapter right. 5, but ask, being free to ask questions and kind of find mm-hmm. the answers yourself. Encouraging personal exploration would be more important than communal uniformity. So you have a room full of individuals who have no connection to one another, any kind of uniform belief system. Everybody's just kind of doing whatever they this, want. This gets to the heart of what the church is. Yes. And so it's going to be a good discussion. Yes. And you don't want to miss out because we are going to be getting into this whole topic of the church yes. and unity and why it is important. And it's going to be a timely conversation, mm-hmm. which it's always timely. But by golly, <laughs> stupid COVID has us separated yeah. Yeah. as a church. Yeah. So it's a good time to actually address this yeah. within the context of COVID-19 and why what Gully mm-hmm. calls mm-hmm. Uh, you know, group uniformity, group uniformity or yeah. you know, is is um, is actually not as bad a thing as he makes it out as to he, be. As he makes sure. it out to be. I agree, one hundred percent. So we'll see y'all next week. Thank y'all for joining us this week. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes and give us a sincere five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to Footnotable. You can keep up with Footnotable on social media through the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts of First Baptist Church Baton Rouge. You can find all three at username FBCBR or on our website at FBCBR.com. If you want to connect with Orrin and myself on social media, our individual information is listed in the show notes. Know that our prayers are with you. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again next week.